Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our uh, study that we're doing on the book of Mark. And actually, we're going to finish up today in uh, Mark chapter 16. We have spent a lot of time uh, working through the, the gospel a chapter at a time. I hope you've, uh, you've gotten a lot out of the study. Um, if you remember, the book of Mark, written to a Roman audience, and so it's, it's, a, it's, it's just sort of very abrupt in its style. It got right to the point. There was never a lot of uh, uh, sort of uh, you know, background text given to us or anything like we got in Matthew. It just, boom, right into the power ministry of Jesus. We've seen the encounter with the, the Pharisees. We've looked at uh, the mission that Jesus had and how well he presented it. We have seen that um, virtually the last half of the entire gospel has been about the last week of Jesus' life in his earthly ministry. And uh, last week we, we went through the very difficult chapter of his crucifixion. And we left it last week with the, uh, with the question, you know, what do you think was running through the minds of the disciples when they rolled that stone in front of the tomb? And uh, what it must have been like for the, the next couple of days as they just didn't know. They weren't aware of what was happening and what was going on. And so, um, fortunately, as I told you, we get into the chapter 16 and now we get to uh, talk about the resurrection and all that that means for us. And um, what I want to do, if we can, is I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Mark chapter 16. I'm going to read the first eight verses, and then we're going to talk a little bit, and then we'll talk about the rest of the verses together, okay? So everybody, uh, if, if you want, they're in the notes there, or you can uh, read in the Bibles, or I'll read it to you, and uh, we'll go from there. Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, And Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white and a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. All right, I want to talk about those first eight verses. And then uh, we'll pick it up from there. Each of the four gospel accounts have various differences about the resurrection. Um, for example, the, there's some of the gospels record differently the number and the names of the women who came to the tomb. Um, there's differences from some of the gospel accounts of the number of angelic messengers who appeared. Um, the, the women's reaction to the announcement is different in the different gospels. And um, I, I think you, if you think about it, here's why. You need to know that um, the way that you witness an event, depending on your perspective, is how you remember the event. 
and there are certain things that are more important to you than other people that witness the event, and so they, they, they stick in your mind differently, and they get recorded differently. It doesn't mean that there was different situations. It's just different ways that they were received as people responded to the encounter. And so I, I think they remembered different things. They remember differently who's with them. They remember what was said, who was said. Because, you know, you might say, well, how can you miss an angel? <laughs> There's two in most of the, two and two of the accounts and just one in the other two. Well, I think that two were in all the accounts. But one spoke, that, that's what we know, and that's the one that they got mentioned in a couple of accounts. Um, Alice and I, when we talk about stuff, and, and I was thinking about this week, this week, when we talk about historical events in our lives, we now go back a long way, um, uh, she remembers things differently than I do of the same accounts. And, and it's not, she just remembers different things than I remember because they were more impactful to her than they were to me. Now, certainly some of the things we remember e- equally, but she'll say sometimes, you remember when this happened? And I'm like, well, I remember that that, that was going on, but I don't remember exactly what you're talking about. Um, I was there, but I'll remember parts of it that she doesn't. And so when you, when you read the gospel accounts and you see that there's little differences, um, that's why things are happening. Um, I think it's interesting in this. It says, go tell disciples and Peter. Um, but I think that's there because Mark got most of his information from Peter. Uh, <laughs> and you know how Peter was. Um, or I, I also think, taking it from a different point of view, that, that it might have been tell Peter because Peter was really not in a good way because he just denied the Lord three times. And remember, we're going to see in John how Jesus carefully ministers. To, um, to Jesus to restore him. And that, that's a huge part of it. So, so there's something going on there. But these are the things that are remembered by each of the uh, different sort of testimony accounts of the eyewitnesses. And, and that's why you see little things. And you go, well, how come there's an angel here and there's two angels here? And how come these women are in this one, but there's different women? And there's not different. There's just numbers of them different. And so it's, it's how they either saw or were told of the story and so none of the gospel writers records all of the events but they wrote down the the things that would have been most significant to them in the process so in the first eight verses here's what's happened first off the women go to the tomb and they're going uh, if the sabbath is now over remember they had to rush this whole burial thing because they they had the beginning of the sabbath and and uh, all these things had to be happened had to happen before that took place and so he, he was sort of rushed into the tomb. They had wrapped him in a linen, but they didn't get to do the normal burial preparations, which um, would have been uh, an anointing of uh, spices and oils uh, in the process. Um, the Hebrews didn't believe in embalming like the Egyptians. It was an embalming process. It, was a, uh, it had to do with odor, no doubt about that. There was part of it, but it was a very endearing, tender sort of thing that happened this process of anointing with the oils and the spices. And because they hadn't been able to, the women, now that they were allowed, now that the, the Sabbath was over, were going at their first possible chance to, to finish the burial preparation of Jesus. Um, Mark is the only one that records on the way there. They actually have a discussion. Uh, the women actually are thinking about the practical aspects. How are we going to get in? Because there's a big stone in front of the tomb. And, and it's interesting that Mark records it because... Uh, uh, they, they think they're, um, they're going to prepare Jesus for burial. They have no idea of the resurrection. And remember, even though Jesus has told his guys and the people following him numerous times what was going to take place, because it didn't fit into their paradigm, they never heard it. They just couldn't take it in. 
Their paradigm was he was come. They saw what he was done. He was going to restore them politically, but he didn't. He came and he restored things relationally for us, which had to happen first. And so they're on their way to, um, to make this happen. Once they get there, um, they, they find this stone rolled away, and instead of find, finding the body of Jesus inside, it, it says that they find a young man in a white robe sitting there. Um, now, we know from the other accounts, and really from Mark's sort of definition here about the revelatory statement that the young man's going to give them, that, that this, uh, they, they saw him and perceived him as a young man, but this was, in fact, an, an angelic messenger from the Lord who was there in the process. And he tells them that Jesus has risen from the dead and that they need to tell Peter and the disciples. Um, Luke and John mention the presence of two angels. Um, uh, and that's significant because in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, it, it takes two witnesses to be uh, like a... Uh, uh, what will we call it? Um, to be viable. It took two witnesses of the encounter. So there you have two... Two angels, because the message is one of significance, and we'll get to that in a minute. The message of the angel is, is very significant. So, so two angels make for a valid witness, but Mark and Matthew only mention the one who probably does the speaking in the process. Now, the women were alarmed, and that sort of takes over the bulk of that, the rest of that um, encounter because they encounter an angel. And, and any time you read in Scripture... Uh, when someone encounters an angel, the first, and if you've been here for any other time, you know the answer to this. The first thing that the angel has to say is, do not be afraid. So it's a, and, and think about it. <laughs> if an angel pops in on you, <laughs> well, I'd be just fine. No, you wouldn't. They generally are saying, don't be afraid, as they pick you up off the floor and say, you can clean up your mess later, I need to talk to you. <laughs> don't be afraid don't be alarmed it's nice to hear but, but they, they always are because there's an angel there and, and, and no they've gone to minister to the body of Christ uh, Jesus and, and here's an angel and they're, they're, uh, who knows all their thoughts you know what have you done with the body of Jesus what's happening what's going on what's, where's, where is he We've, we've come to do this and he's not here. Where, where is he? What do we do? And, and so, but the angel's message is what you need to know because it's critical. And, it, and it, it defines the heart of the gospel message. Because what he identifies, what the angel identifies is he identifies the risen one as the crucified one. This is huge in, in everything that we believe. The angel identifies the one who is risen with the one who was crucified. And, and then that is the same historical person, that's Jesus, and it reveals the meaning of the empty tomb. See, the tomb being empty is significant. Jesus defeated death. He rose again. He's not there. He is risen. Everything that we believe hangs on that. It's, it's the central point of our hope is that Jesus, the firstborn of many, defeated death and rose again, and he offers us the same hope in him, that we get the same process because of what he's done. And so the certainty of the resurrection rests on the angel's message from God and, and the historical fact of the empty tomb confirms it. See, and it's a historical fact. People have tried to shoot it down forever. 
And there's lots of theories out there. I, I told you someone the other day, there's a swoon theory. He never really died because he wasn't on the cross long enough. And so uh, uh, that, that's, that's one theory. Another theory is that, that he, he didn't defeat death. The disciples somehow got back there and stole the body. And they just hid it somewhere. People like that theory at the time. But, you know, if you take that theory into account, then you have to deal with the fact that somehow the guards who were put there and the big stone that was there sealed, somehow the disciples got all through all that and managed to do what they were doing and get the body of Jesus away. Now, even if you were to buy that, I'll tell you where that one falls apart. The disciples, if you remember, are scattered and afraid, right? They're nowhere to be found. And eventually they get back together and they're hiding in a room. If, if, if the reality of the risen Lord, if he, didn't, if he didn't defeat death and rise again, they would have never gone out there and began to do what they did. They would have stayed hidden. It was over. It was done. But they saw the risen Christ. And, and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit whom he sends. And they continue on in the ministry of Christ. If, if none of it were true, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have gone back out. There was nothing in it for them. All the disciples died pretty horrendous deaths. Why would they do it for a lie? They wouldn't. And so when, when people begin to doubt that stuff, you just have to go back to, you know, it's a historical fact that the, the, Jesus was not in the tomb. And, and the revelatory message of God makes the connection. The crucified one is the risen one. And, and that's what it all hangs on. And he's not here. I love it, the way the, the angel says it. He's not here. He's risen. And they, they give you little goose pimples. That's me. He's not here. He's risen. And, and so this was the message received um, by uh, the women who had gone to the tomb. And, and, and so if you, that's probably the most significant part of the gospel message. So, so remember that. The crucified one is the risen one. And the tomb was empty. And because of that, we have hope. Now, that's the first eight verses. Um, Many biblical scholars believe that that concludes the Gospel of Mark. That, That all that's there is those eight verses. And that he, it actually fits with the style of the writing because the abrupt ending is consistent with Mark's style. And it sort of punctuates the, the development of the, the themes of, of astonishment throughout the gospel. And, and leaving it there, the, the reader is then left to ponder with awe the meaning of the empty tomb. Power encounter, power encounter, life of Christ, everything that he does, everything that he does, building up to this end point of, of the cross, and then he's not there. And, and it's a, a reasonable stopping point for the way that Mark writes. But what about these other verses, 9 through 20? Um, they're a part of the canon. They're there, but it's very possible that they were added as an addendum, as a footnote, as something. Um, it doesn't take away from them, but it's by the style of writing and all the things. It's, it's very possible that they were added, and yet the guys who set the canon included them, and so they must have had reason for doing it. And, and they're, they're just sort of... Um, like a, a point, and it's very possible that that no one ever believed that that, that it was okay for someone to come in that wasn't Mark, and because the style's even different in the last verses, and adds about what happened, and and so let, let me read you those verses, and then we'll just talk about them briefly, and we'll shut down. 
when, uh, verse 9, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him. Do you see how there's like a new, whole new deal coming on in the, in the tents? We just, we'd left it in one spot. Now we're reintroducing Mary, who's already been introduced in verse 1. So there's, 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 a, there's a change. Um, she went out and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Either Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He just said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in no tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So um, we sort of get, there's sort of a, I think, a, a summary of the acts of the early church, which we're going to read later on when we do the book of Acts. But, but here we have these verses. And, and ultimately, the, the main thing that we see is that the church is, is born. Um, and they, they continue to do the ministry of Jesus that we've read about. They, they preach the good news. They, they, they operate under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. They, they pray for people to be made well, and they're made well. They, they're, they're given uh, supernatural uh, abilities to, to reach out to people to spread the gospel. Now, some people, and I, I thought I'd mention this too, um, because a lot of people wonder about the snakes and the poison thing. Uh, you, ever, you ever read that and wonder about that? So a lot of you do. And, and there are some churches that, uh, that uh, sort of really embrace the whole snake and the poison thing. Do So I thought tonight we'd introduce, bring out the snakes, guys. No. Um, <laughs> you'd have freaked out. Um, probably should have been um, I think this is what that part of the scripture infers and I'll tell you why I think there it's a uh, if, if they're being persecuted and if they're compelled to pick up snakes with their hands or if they're compelled to drink deadly poison it shall by no means harm them I, I think that's a much better rendering of the text I'll tell you why all the other things we see being practiced in the early church we see healing taking place. We see in the, in the book of Acts the speaking of tongues taking place and the advancement of the gospel. We see the other things that are, he tells them to go out and do happening. We don't see any recorded instances of the poison in the snakes. The only one you see is an offhanded snake bite that Paul receives on an island, but it wasn't part of any sort of service. He just happened to be reaching through the brush and he got bit by a snake. And, and you know, that's just sort of Paul's life. Paul didn't have the greatest of lives. He was the, God used him mightily, but he went through a lot of hard stuff because... Because remember, that's always one of my scriptures when you talk about having a bad day. He's shipwrecked. He runs up on an island. He's trying to get warm by building a fire. When he goes to get firewood, he gets bit by a snake. Would it be one of those days when you would go, what? (laughs) Are you like in this at all? Um, Maybe you've experienced those days. But the actual recording in the early church of snake handling and poison drinking, I don't see it. So, not that I'm going to 
make big judgments about it. It's just not my thing, all right? Um, that sort of would be a little... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would leave, so... <laughs> just so you know. And again, not judging. If you're into that thing, that's, that's fine. But, but I'm saying that this is how it's inferred in, in, in Scripture, and I, I just think it's not, it was never meant as a practice where the other things are, and because we don't see any biblical follow-through. All right? If it was going to be a part of the normal early church service, we'd see it. And we don't. So, because I think they would have included that. Uh, that would have been pretty important um, to, to be able to refer to. So, um, uh, basically, at the end, we just have this paraphrase of, of what's going to take place in the ministry. Um, now, I believe that, that it's still the ministry. And that we're still empowered by the Spirit to go and do the things that Jesus did. That, that uh, it didn't die out with the early church. That, that stuff's all available to us today. And we've spent years talking about how God works through us. And we just need to be open to um, uh, the direction of the Lord and be willing to operate in, in whatever gift he feels we need to advance the gospel. And that uh, our message is, is, is pure and it's true. And it's the same one uh, of, of the, uh, the angel in the empty tomb. The crucified one is the risen one. And it's the heart of the message. And, and all of these, uh, all the study, everything that we talk about should continually point us back to um, what was important to Jesus, which is tell people the kingdom is here and, and that they can have relationship with God again. Tell them that God's not counting their sins against them anymore because of the cross. And that people can go no matter what they've done to the cross and they can get life again in Christ. And they can have relationship with me forever. Make sure they know that. Let, let them know it's not about rules and regulations. It's about grace and faith. Uh, let them know that, that I, I've come to, to reestablish uh, everlasting connection with God. And, and that Jesus left it to these, this small group and who passed it on to us. Um, a group at the time of very unlikely people and to this day, a group of very unlikely people to be those who proclaim the message of hope, of the living God. He's placed it on us. And that we get opportunities all the time. And it's not about, you know, having to stand up and, 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 and necessarily know the book and everything in it. to be. A, it's just about telling people your God story. And, and that you can be encouraged that he'll give you the opportunity just to tell them your, your story is, is valid. Your God story is valid. And how you got there. And, and then just ultimately remembering that the heart of the message is the crucified one is the risen one. And the tomb was empty. And, and that's good news. Because he is risen. And he's coming back for us. And so, so as we begin to sort of know these things and remember these things, it just encourages us then to, to continue on in all that the Lord has given us to do. And, and he's given us the ministry he gave his disciples. Paraphrased for us there. Accounted for us there. Go into the world preach the good news. Tell everybody there's a, there's a hope, there's a way, and that, that God wants them to be a part of it. And that sort of covers Mark chapter 16 and the entire book. Now, the next thing we're going to do is the book of John. All right? So we're going we're gonna to skip Luke temporarily. I'm not skipping Luke forever. So don't think I don't value Luke. I do. Luke is good. But Luke and Acts really make a nice study together because Luke wrote them. And so we're going to read John. John's going to be different completely than Matthew and Mark. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic, which means they sort of have the whole same material. John comes at it from a different point of view. 
Same stuff, but in John we see all the I am statements of Jesus. We get a lot more sort of defined picture of who Jesus is and what that looks like. And so, so we're going to dig into John next, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And then we'll do Luke and Acts together, and then we'll go from there. All right? Unless the Lord returns, and then all of that's off. <laughs> then we won't. All right? So um, if you're watching on the video, someone's going to run up there and turn that off because that would be the right time for that. And uh, we appreciate that. And, and if you need anything and you're watching my video, let us know. Barry's on his way. He got it, Mike. Um, and if you're in Williston, God bless you guys. They'll pray for you there. We're going to do prayer requests here and 